Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll Credits, the podcast. Um, of course, again, this is uh, the last month for Classics Month, and this is the last month that we are going to be recommending uh, that you guys donate, if you can, to the whole Ukraine crisis and war that is happening. Um, we are uh, going to provide the links, of course, like we have been um, all month long. Um, but this is going to be the last month that we're going to be recommending stuff, and or, or excuse me, we're going to be recommending donating, but of course, the... The recommendation of donating, if you can, does not stop after this month. If you mm-hmm. still can, please do. Um, but we're just going to stop talking about it, uh, and we're going to go back to our normal silly sponsors and our regular recommendations starting after this episode. So, again, if you can, please help. Um, if you can't, spread the word at least. Do, do your part. Um, so, thanks for listening, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits Podcast, the only podcast uh, that we would consider a classic. Yay. A classic podcast. <laughs> Finally, uh, we've uh, reached the level yeah, we, we deserve. We've reached classic status. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are doing modern day classics, movies that we have, um, that you and I deem necessary mm. to be considered, uh, to be put in the classic uh, Hall of Fame of modern day films. And so I like, g- I like ahead. too how you were like, Oh, like probably nothing before like 2000. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of stay within the, because I do think that, you know, there's so many movies from the nineties that are considered classics already. Mm-hmm. Um, that are not, you know, uh, they're not like deep cuts by any means or movies that like people, people, everybody just knows them. Yeah. I um, mean, it, it was actually a little hard too. Cause like even to like, even stuff that I was looking up around, like, 2007 to 2010, like, I would consider and, like, majority of people would consider a classic. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, like, what can I pick that, like, isn't already kind of deemed that? Yeah. I even went for, like, f- directors that maybe have some well-known films or maybe the films that I ended up choosing weren't the films that you would necessarily associate them with. Mm. Um and not because I'm just trying to be like different. I was just genuinely believe that these movies, although of course movies that have their more famous movies are great. I do believe that they have made films that fit the category of classic better. Gotcha. Um, because I do believe when we went over like classics versus cult classics, Mm -hmm. and I do believe that classics kind of have a certain type of like feel to it. Exactly. And, and there is the idea of, you know, certain types of themes that are almost are going to age like fine wine and be timeless forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I tried for the most part to do a classic in every category of well, at genres. So I did like a horror classic. Mm. I did like a sci-fi, uh, a, just a straight up drama. I did period pieces. Um, so I tried to just kind of do one, dip my toe into a little bit of everything. Yeah. That's very a- nice. Opposed I, I, to... Go ahead. I kind of did the same thing. Yeah. Like, not fully, but... So, I have a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have maybe, like, seven or eight. Oh, God. Um, so, how about you start us off? Okay. Um, I can't imagine that, like, you don't have this one on your pick. Um, I'm starting out with horror. I think Ari Aster's Hereditary is going to go down as, like, a be-all and all classic. Yeah. Um, it is on my list, as a, by the way. I have two horror picks, and that was one of them. Yeah. I, I figured so, just because it's, like... When you look at Hereditary and when it came out and, like, how much, like, we talked about it and, like, everybody was kind of talking about it, it literally kind of 
redesigned horror. It it transcended the horror genre again for for people to go to a theater like older people mm-hmm. or people who would consider themselves film buffs and actually sit down and watch a horror film and take away themes yes. from them opposed to because listen, at the end of the day horror is kind of considered like lower tier type of entertainment. Absolutely. Um and that actually goes good with my with my horror pick that I that I'll shoot that I'll say after. Um but so like I wanted to, I I wanted to with everything in my the every fiber of my being to, to choose something. Somewhere. Well, no, to <laughs> choose um something from Robert Eggers. Mm. I wanted to do The Lighthouse. I wanted to do The Witch. But although his films are great and I absolutely love them, Ari Aster's complete and utter um dedication to perfection mm-hmm. and the dis- and the amount of money that it seems like his films get, they they look they look. Wh- I oh, mean, listen, so fantastic. They're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful, right? And I mean, the whole idea of like I understand where Robert Eggers comes from, right? Like the whole idea of like shooting on dirty lenses mm-hmm. and using film and you know just being like as historically accurate as possible with things. I get that, and they're incredible, and I love his movies, and I'm not ever and I and I you know, I'm I don't think that they deserve to be. You know, I don't want to take anything away from those films. They're great. But Ari Aster has, is like on the same level of like Kubrick when it comes to perfection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I I totally get that. And that's why like I picked that. I almost went with Midsommar because that, it just seemed like a perfect. Visually, it's like. Visually, it's a masterpiece. Like we've talked about it. Like everything about Midsommar, like now after seeing it like three, four times, it's a masterpiece. But it didn't have that same feeling that Hereditary had, where it's like, it brought something different. It brought horror in the sense that, like, you don't need a jump scare to feel scared. Yeah. And it, that was hard to do at the yeah. time. Like, nobody else was doing this. I know. It's it's really an incredible film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I had Hereditary in there, and I wanted to actually shout out a film that ironically is kind of the complete opposite of hereditary Mm -hmm. which is the idea of instead of it being super um i mean although the film is very beautiful it just this film was an homage to the dirty 70s style film and that is the new film that just came out from ty west called x oh i didn't see that yet so i saw it in theaters Mm -hmm. And I've sat with it now for a week and a half or however long it's been. And I do believe that this is going to go down in film history as a real horror classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go too deep into it because you haven't seen it and I don't want to spoil anything. And I know that it's a brand new film, so I don't want to spoil anything. But I do recommend going out and seeing it in theaters if you can. Um, I also recommend staying past the credits because there's something mm. there that's worth seeing. Um but all I will say is that it feels like a modern day, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, that was the vibe that I got from the trailer for it. And I was just like, this looks fun. Yeah. Like, obviously, I, I, anything that A24 puts out, it's like, I'm going to check out at least the trailer. Yeah. And it's it's great because similar to what we were saying about Hereditary, you can tell that A24 is funding the movie properly. Like. Mm-hmm. 
yes, you can have really cheap bullshit horror films that make a lot of money um, that they make for, you know, $800,000, which is no money at all. Um, but when, a, when, when this, when a 24 is actually like, no, 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 no. Let's give you, <laughs> let's give you a real budget. Mm-hmm. Let's give you proper camera equipment. Let's get some great actors. Let's give you a really great cinematographer, some good music, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, you, you can get, run with that. You can see just how the film does a really great balance of feeling like a dirty old, you know, southern hypersexualized 1970s slasher film, mm-hmm. but with a modern day budget and with somebody who really really cares about the material. And I will all I'll say is that I love the film. It was gory as hell. It 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 scratched all the itches that you mm-hmm. want from that type of film, mm-hmm. um, but it's also really, really beautiful. And again, has some really potent themes throughout that uh, I think are worth talking about. You know, w- after the film is done. Nice. So yeah, I wanted you love to slasher films. I love slasher films. I think that slasher films. Those are like quintessential horror. That that mm-hmm. is what that is like the origin of horror, right? When you think of like horror movies, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course you think of great movies like The Exorcist, but I mean, for me it's like Halloween. Yep, Freddy. Yeah. Friday I mean, the 13th. Those like, are those are the quintessential ones and th- that's what this movie is, but it does a nice twist on it and again, there's some really really great themes that I can't dive too deep into because again, mm-hmm. I know it's a brand new film, but all I'll say is the film is absolutely worth it, and I do think that it is going to go down as a true modern classic. Very nice. So my next pick, um, I, I've, I've said this before. I've never been a fan of biographical films, and that's literally because nine times out of ten, the film ending is usually shit because like either the person's still alive or it wasn't that impact of a, of a thing to happen to make it an ending. However... I think the way that 2013's Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street came out is fantastic. <laughs> the, the way that Martin Scorsese again showed the fact that like it doesn't matter how old you are, like you can make a fucking fantastic film with great people. Just the way that Robert De Niro or not Robert De Niro, um <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah acts in this film yeah it was again that time frame where it was like and this was probably like the biggest one to me out of everything that he's done because i know a lot of people will say too like oh shutter islands probably like a modern day classic as well um i think it's great i don't think it's like there but i think wolf of wall street with leonardo dicaprio this was the film that i was actually genuinely pissed that he didn't win an oscar for because he played such a great job as Jordan Belfort. Like he really captured this very kind of like cocky, but like very charismatic character of a, like a person working on wall street and building his way up. And then literally seeing like his life crumble around him. And I think the pacing is fantastic. I know this was a breakout star too for Margot Robbie. Like Jonah Hill was great in this film too. Like everybody was just on their A game. Yeah. And 
it was just such a fun film to watch. Like even him just like doing the weird dance like during um the montage scene and then like them doing the quaaludes and like just trying yeah. to like grab each other on the floor. Yeah, that movie's got a uh a really special kind of energy to it mm-hmm. that not a lot of films can sustain, but Sorsese somehow manages to sustain that energy throughout the entirety of the film and it never there's movies that like can feel like that, and then by literally by the end of the film, you almost feel physically exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> and I there might be elements of that in this film, but I do think that at the end of the movie, you don't somehow you you manage to not somehow feel tired after mm-hmm. it. You actually just feel more like inspired, ironically. Because yeah. I mean, even the ending where it's like he's now teaching like these seminars of like sell me this pen. Yeah, and it's like see that's how like you can actually make a film based on a true story have an ending. Yeah. Because, like, you brought that back from, like... It comes full circle. Yeah, Yeah. two hours beforehand when he's like, oh, sell me this pen, like, as a joke. Right. And now it's becoming, like, this actual thing, and then you don't have to get, like, this whole thing of, like, oh, like, he went on to do this, like, just black screen subtext. Right, yeah. You just got an ending. Right. Like, this felt like a film. It didn't feel like it had to be, like, a a memoir to somebody who's actually alive. Yeah, I agree. It's a a great film. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely did not appreciate it as much the first time that I watched it. I think mm-hmm. I was a little too young to like really, really appreciate it. Um, I, and I haven't watched it since, but I've seen so many clips of the film that I'm like, I need to sit down and rewatch this movie. Um, okay. So my next film is a period piece mm-hmm. straight up 100%. I wanted to talk about 2018's 2018. Yeah. 2018's. Uh, the favorite by Yorgos Lanthimos. And that was, that was going to be a, uh, honorable mention for me. Yeah. Um, I think that this movie, very different from a Yorgos Lanthimos film when it comes to... Like the lobster. Yeah, but like when it comes to like his themes and like mm-hmm. what he normally goes after because he normally does like really abstract, obviously like more strange. And this is actually a pretty cut and dry, based in reality film. Mm-hmm. Um but it's just shot so beautifully and the costume designs are, are just gorgeous. incredible and the set designs are beautiful. The acting is incredible and the the story of Queen Anne mm-hmm. and her and her mental illness and falling apart it's and then this very, very this, well. in, this really intri- uh, intriguing love triangle that is happening and the dependence of like you know how she depends on mm-hmm. on her uh, on her help on her helpers. It's just, it's in my opinion, his best, <laughs> his best work. His best like that might be like his magnum opus. Like that is mm-hmm. like the film for him. Like there might be other films that you may enjoy more, but that is in my opinion probably going to be like the height of Yorgos Lanthimos at his peak when it comes to costume design direction everything yeah i definitely believe like just like watching it for the first time and like really experiencing it again everybody was on their a game with it the story was just fantastic like everything about the film felt so real and raw yeah um down to the ending the when, ending like, oh, the, oh, ending the rabbits perfect. being laid over top the per the ah uh, the per- <laughs> it's it's a perfect film like it really is mm-hmm. um and i wanted to then jump on to my next one because yeah. they're in the same category of a period piece uh which is phantom thread by paul thomas anderson mm-hmm. um 
1950s, I believe it takes place, and you know it's ta- it's all about a dressmaker. Um, Daniel Day Lewis is incredible in the film, um, but again tackles these really really deep hard themes of love and loss and lust and kind of similar actually ironically to um, uh, the movie that we just did A Streetcar Named Desire mm-hmm. with the need of a woman and him feeling like a child and, and, and how he acts and, and, and how the whole like, like the whole concept of when when he's feeling bad and 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 he and he takes his anger out on her and then she kind of babies him and coddles mm-hmm. him and kind of makes him fall in love with her even more isn't this the one too where it's like she poisons him a little bit right that's yeah. like the whole thing is like she makes him sick and then he gets he acts like a baby and then she takes care of him and then that makes him fall in love with her even more and then by the end he even realizes that she's poisoning him and it makes him fall in love with her with her even more because he's like no one's ever cared this much about me it, it's a sick movie like mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not like a good, uh, he's not a good person and they're very deeply flawed, but the movie is surprisingly funny. I mean, the movie is so funny, but like that dry humor that really just gets to me sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, the shot, it's just so beautifully shot. I mean, I mean, everything that Paul Thomas Anderson does is pretty much beautiful. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's not going to ever make a bad film. I don't think, um, and he's just got a really unique way of of telling stories, and uh, I do think that, of course, I love There Will Be Blood, and you might enjoy that film more, but I think that Phantom Thread is should be considered a real true classic. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked it out yet. Okay, we'll my, change that. Well, I will eventually. <laughs> um, so my next one came out in 2014. Um, directed by Alejandro Gonzalez Inarito. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Birdman. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this was on your list anywhere, but this was the renaissance for Michael Keaton's career, in my opinion. Um, the man had done kind of like bits and pieces since Batman, basically. He played Jack Frost, where he played a snowman. Yeah. That came he, alive. Well, yeah, that was actually a really good... <laughs> <laughs> that was award-winning <laughs> performance right there. Um, but yeah, like this was kind of like... His renaissance, and this was an interesting story where it kind of was about him. Like, this literally was about Michael Keaton trying to, like, bring back his... Career. Exactly. From Birdman, which you could say was Batman, which, again, is him trying to bring back his career. And I think... Besides winning, like, so many, like, awards for it, like, the, the score for the film absolutely beautiful like it's it's very much like that chaotic jazz and it fits so perfectly with this film that is one continuous take right and we talked about that in rope where it's like you know rope kind of maybe laid the groundwork for it because birdman being one continuous take it feels like you're always in the rush of this thing you're always with the characters it never feels like you know there's a stale point in the film it just feels like you're going 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 yeah and I absolutely loved it. Like I remember, I, I forget, was it you or me who picked that for the the episode? Um, I, I think it was you. Maybe I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, if you had not picked it, I was going to pick it eventually because I was just like, man, like I really love Birdman, and I just want to watch it again. <laughs> and I think like it's going to end up being timeless because like it just feels so real. Yeah, like it feels like even thirty years from now, like you will have somebody that's just like that in New York City. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a movie that tackles the idea of like fame and then the need and want of like having somebody who was famous at one point and then they lose it and they want it back so badly. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting, like, you know, topic of like, why, like, why does it matter to you so much to be recognized on Mm -hmm. the street? Um, and we're not going to get into it, but that's, it's, it's, it's a dark movie actually. Mm -hmm. It is. Besides it, he literally shoots himself at the end of the film. Not well, even that, but like when they're just practicing and the light falls on the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, um, it's, it's kind of funny and it's got, again, it's kind of like, like, um, with the Wolf of Wall Street, it's kind of got this groove to it. This, well, it's just got this real like movement and it's just like, let's go, go, go. It's just got this certain type of energy. Um, but it's heavy. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not a, it's not a light film by any means. Um, okay. So I mentioned this, um, when we talked about classics versus cult classics, but I wanted to just mention it again because, uh, I think it's worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. And of course I am talking about my sci-fi pick, which is Blade Runner 2049. I knew you were going to pick this somewhere in here. It needed to be picked. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that this film shows what... Similar to what horror is, um, again, I think sci-fi sometimes kind of gets put in that lowbrow kind of entertainment and people are like aliens yeah. and CGI ships. It's like, yeah, like they don't, they don't appreciate what they can be. Um, but again, given the right budget and, and the, and the proper care and a really incredible script and great cinematographers and an incredible score, um, Blade Runner 2049, I think, is a masterpiece film. If nothing alone, the cinematography and the color palette for the film yeah. is what will stand out forever. Right. And and I think that the the really, really smart thing about it is that it's not it's sci-fi, but it's not so far out that it makes it feel untangible. Mm-hmm. Like there's not people in flying cars and like alien girls with antennas sticking out of their heads. Like it's while there may be a little bit of that, it's really more like, Hey, here's my girlfriend. That's a hologram. Mm -hmm. Smart ways of introducing like future technologies. Yeah. Robots that feel like humans. Right. So it's like, you really can't tell like what's the difference. Exactly. Um, and uh, it's just, and the theme and like, kind of like what the, the plot of the film of, of somebody searching, thinking that they are kind of not who they believe that they originally, what they thought that they were and thinking that, that he's got all these fake memories implanted and then maybe that they're not. And that mm-hmm. he's actually like the last human. And then it turns out that he's not the last one. And it's just, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's a great way to pull the rug underneath you. Yeah. And my second sci-fi pick, and I've, I'm have i not going to go too far because I've spoke about this film so many times, is Her. Mm-hmm. Despite, uh, it's just, yep. it's just, I'm, again, I've spoken about it so many times that I don't need, I don't think I need to say much more about it. But all I'll say is that it's a true, incredible romance film mm-hmm. mixed with sci-fi, kind of. Um, but... And for me, it's a film that I don't think will ever, ever get old. And obviously, people are going to be doing most likely. I think it probably is already happening. What is happening with Theodore in that movie where they're kind of dating these 
weird, not real things, Mm -hmm. um, AI kind of. And I think that that movie is, we're going to look back on that film in like 50 years and be like, this is what's happening right now. Yeah. Like this was just a precursor. Yeah. So, uh, I think that that movie deserves a classic Mm -hmm. status. Very nice. Okay. My next pick, um, 2009. That's a good year. Quentin Tarantino. Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> I, I went back and forth because I was like, there's got to be something that is newer that Tarantino did that I would consider like a modern day classic. And I think the, besides Django. Django! Because uh, that really kind of depicted like a, a modern Western in my my idea. Let's be real. It's probably like the best modern western that's been released that I can remember anyway. Exactly. In a it probably yeah. I don't think there's anything that surpassed it. He came close with The Hateful Eight, but that was more of just like a murder mystery yeah. movie, which is still great, but I think Inglorious Bastard did something really unique, um especially to when we talked about like the opening scene with Hans like that's actually being used in film classes to show tension. Yeah. Like you're doing something right. If you're making a scene that is being taught right in schools to teach you how to do this in films. Um, the overall idea of the film set in reality, but like twisting it to make it actually like more fictional is done really, really well because like this could have easily happened. Right. Like you could have had a band of people that like came together and tried to kill Hitler on their own. Right. And it probably wasn't uncommon that like some of them were actually banded together, but they just didn't make it through everything. And I mean, like having the setup of like two separate stories from two different ends really helped with it too. Cause it's like, um, Shosher. Shoshana. Shoshana. Yeah. I always think of like how Han says, like, <laughs> Au revoir, Shoshana. <laughs> He's so drunk. Yes. <laughs> the way that he... <laughs> I'm just drunk off milk. Um, but like Shoshana's story is really interesting as like a refugee from like that's Jewish and like is opening up this theater, but is main staked in like Germany with like Nazis everywhere. Right. And having her kind of revenge story as well as Lieutenant Aldo Rain's story of banding together the Inglorious Bastards and trying to kill Hitler themselves. Yeah. Like I think it's just a perfect film. Yeah. I um I too have a Tarantino choice. I knew it. And it's not It's uh, not Django. It's not well no 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 it's not Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Um because that was going to be I was like, it's got to be Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I need to have a Tarantino pick, and it, and it's gonna have to be Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about it, um, and listen, I'll be honest, I probably enjoy Inglorious Bastards more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's a more fun film, although it's hard to say that Inglorious Bastards is fun, but it is. Um, but this pick, I didn't choose for myself. Mm-hmm. I chose this pick um, because I do think that the industry is going to consider this a classic. And of course I'm talking about once upon a time. In Hollywood. I knew it. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't glorious bastards, it was once upon it a has time to be because I know that you didn't love the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be honest. I didn't love the film either the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I read the book and I watched it three more times and, <laughs> and that was just enough to get me to love and, it. <laughs> and it, but it's really grown on me a lot. Honestly, it has, mm-hmm. um, because, th- and that happens a lot with Tarantino films for me. 
I'm noticing. Like, I didn't really love The Hateful Eight when I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it started, you know, it just started sitting, I, you know, I sat with it more and it just eventually became one of my favorites. Um, and it's a great movie. Uh, and I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I think it's just because you re- you never really know what the hell you're going to get with a Tarantino film. Yeah. You know, you, you have a general idea. Like, I know that there's going to be great dialogue. Mm-hmm. I know there's probably going to be some good comedy in there. There's going to be great actors in it. Right. But, like, you don't know where he's really going to go with it. Mm-hmm. And the the promotion leading up to Once Upon a Time and it's like oh my god it's about Charles Manson it's about the it's about Sharon Tate it's about the mm-hmm. murders and it's and, not at and all it's really it's not really about that at all mm-hmm. it's really just a hangout film about an actor and a stunt double just living their lives yeah. that towards the end of the film end up getting kind of entangled in the whole Charles Manson thing um and i Listen, when it comes down to it, I think that it's going to go down as like his kind of like I, I tr- truthfully, I believe that his career, his entire career was leading up to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that it disappointed me anyway. It did not. Um, I think that that the industry is going to say that this was his best and this was him at his best. And Listen, the colors are incredible. The, yeah. the, the movie is shot impeccably. Mm-hmm. You're never going to not, again, similar to Paul Thomas Anderson, you're never going to have a bad Tarantino film, except for Death Proof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, it's beautifully shot, though. Uh, and it's just, there's so many iconic things about the film. Mm-hmm. The way that they dress. I mean, Cliff. Cliff as a character alone uh, is amazing. so incredibly iconic now mm-hmm. um, that it has to go down as a classic. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Last one for me. Okay. Uh, 2019's Safdie Brothers Uncut Gems. I was bouncing back between Uncut Gems and Good Time. Man, like, while doing this, I was like, no, like, it's got to be in here. Because I was going to put it as an honorable mention, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm switching one out. Yeah. Because, like, Uncut Gems is Good Time, but, like, dialed up to, to 11. 57. <laughs> like, God, man. Like, and I was talking my fiance about this like uh last night actually and i was like hey you want to watch good or uh uncut gems again and she was like no that movie gave me so much anxiety you're just, you're just sweating the whole time exactly and there's never been a film like that for me that has been has made me feel tense the entire film yeah literally because of one person's actions throughout everything and yeah. we talked about this when we did it like he just goes through like a roller coaster of like, I'm on top. No, I'm in the shit. Like, I gotta get out. <laughs> and then he gets out and then he's like, not nah, back in. Gotta yeah. fucking double down. Yeah. And I've talked about this too. Like, I don't like Adam Sandler. Or, um, yeah. Adam yeah. Sandler. I don't like Adam Sandler as an actor. I, I think he kind of typecasted himself as like the, ooh, the comedy actor. Yeah. And he always stuck that way for me, even when he tried to do like serious roles. This was the one movie that I was like, oh my God, Adam Sandler is fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) This was the movie where I was like, my God, look at how well he is acting in this film. Yeah. Look at what he is capable of doing when he's giving a proper script. Yeah. And I, I don't, I cannot imagine at this point, like any other film that he's in that I would be like the same way about. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know what he's done since uncut gems, honestly, because I don't pay attention to like his career all that much. If he went back to doing his normal shtick, then whatever, he had his moment in the sun with me. Right, yeah. Like, Uncut Gems is that film for me where I was like, Adam Sandler's amazing. Yeah. Um, I 
I cheated a little bit, but not really mm-hmm. on one of my on this next pick because there's four. There's there's this movie is a not a trilogy, but a whatever. There's four of them. Um, and the first one came out in the '90s, but then all the other ones came out subsequently in the, in going into the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to choose an animated film, um, so I decided that Toy Story needed to go in. Mm. Yeah. Um, all of them, like literally I, all of them. So I didn't. I didn't even think about Toy Story because, like, in my mind, they're already classics. Yeah. Um, my God. One, amazing. Two, somehow beat it. Yeah. Three, beat the fuck out of that. <laughs> Four, I did not watch. I heard it was so, great, though. It, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, like, I was very surprised. I was like, what else? Like, three was a perfect send-off. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And then they come back, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, why? Do we yeah, need this? Yeah, like, is this really just, like, a, like a money thing? But... It was good, man. It's really good. Um, but yeah, Toy Story for me, I remember Buzz the the action figure Buzz Lightyear that I got. Mm-hmm. That was like way too big. Mm-hmm. And um I remember going to the store, it must have been at a Toys R Us, and picking it out. And my dad talking to the customer uh or to the um the employee there saying you know, what's the difference between this one and this one? Because this one's a little bit more money. Like, what's the difference? And the guy was like, oh, well, this one, his arm opens up. Mm. And, like, he's got, yeah, like, he's got the buttons and all that. Um, and my dad was like, which one do you want? And I was like, I want the one with the buttons. Duh. <laughs> and, like, I got that one. And and uh, and just, there was just, there's so much childhood for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in Toy Story? In Toy Story. I know. I Similar to you, I had, like, a Buzz Lightyear toy. Much smaller, though. It was, like, the size, like, that your hand would fit in. Yeah. Um, and I had a, an amazing one. I'll never be able to find it again. <laughs> um, but it had like the little red button on his chest. It was an actual button. If you push that, the wings would actually pop out. Yes. But like you could actually compact them yeah, back in. Yeah. And I was like, I love this. I love this toy. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know where it is. <laughs> uh, it's just, it really is an iconic film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a film that will never get old, um, in my opinion. Maybe maybe to like new, like newer generations, no, potentially. No, no. Be only, the only reason why I say that is because I think that toys are not be- are, are like becoming a little bit more obsolete because of yeah. technology. So babies and kids that are now growing up are now, they, they don't have that sense of relatability to mm-hmm. a physical action figure or more of just now they have iPads. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a little disappointing. I know, but I, I feel like if you show your kid Toy Story, it's just timeless and this will be something where it's like, you know, the lucky kids that got to see Toy Story at a young age that like many may not remember like later on in life. Yeah. They're going to be the ones that are like, Oh my God, like do you remember toy story? It was so great. Yeah. Like that's what I think of with it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a forever movie for me that, um, I don't know if I'm going to have kids at any point in my life, but even if I don't, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch it when I'm 80. Yeah. Uh, it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I have two more. Um, I now am going to choose an indie film and then a cult film. Mm. So, um, indie film, Still actually goes back to the horror film, but I wanted to just shout out It Comes at Night. Yeah. Um, not exactly what I thought it was going to be when mm-hmm. I first watched it. Uh, in, in fact, it was actually more of a family drama uh, that is just so incredibly... You want to talk about, like, you know, your movie uh, Uncut Gems being like, oh my tension God, building? like tension, yeah. like... It's not nearly as adrenaline rushing mm-hmm. as uh, Uncut Gems, at least not in like the amount of time that has elapsed. Because with Uncut Gems, it's just pretty much nonstop the entire film. You're literally sweating. Yeah. Um, 
it's more of a slow build with with it comes at night. And but but eventually, I mean, it leads up to like I can't believe that this is a movie that they're showing. Like and Joel, they Edgerton. just shot a baby. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And Joel um, Edgerton in the yeah, film. and he's he's incredible. Everybody's actually really good in the movie. Um, it's again beautifully shot. It's really just it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to shout that one out. And then my cult classic is a film that I actually mentioned when we did the black and white episode, which is the eyes of my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody talks about this movie. No, literally nobody. It's just you, you and me. You think it'll be a, a, a classic? I film? think that it deserves the, mm-hmm. that it deserves the, the title of a cult classic. Um, I think that it, it's got everything that a cult classic would normally kind of have. Mm-hmm. It's got a weird, strange story. It's a little bit taboo. Um, there's the weird, idea of potentially maybe there being like a weird time thing going yeah. on in the movie and it's that people could di- that people could discuss it's filmed in black and white um it's dirty mm-hmm. it's 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 just gross but somehow manages to also be hyper stylized and it's just it's a great film that nobody ever talks about mm-hmm. that I think in the next 10 years, I'm hoping that somebody will talk about somebody it. like will catch it. And then all of a sudden they're going to introduce it to their friends and then so on and so forth. And I hope that the movie eventually catches at least some kind of traction to cult, it. Yeah. Cult fucking following mm-hmm. of like, Hey, this is a movie that nobody fucking talks about. Like I, I it, and it deserves to be spoken about in my opinion. It's a movie that, I watched when we did it, and I think I rewatched it one other time after that, and I haven't watched it since. Um, but I, I just, it's a movie that I can't ever seem to forget about. Yeah. Um, and it's a movie that I think is going to stay with me forever. Quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I, and I think it deserves to be considered a cult classic. Very nice. I have a, I have one honorable mention. Okay. Um, just because that was the one that I was going to pick, but then I decided like, oh, uncut gems more. Um, George Miller's. Mad Max Fury Road. Um, it fits a little bit better in the honorable mentions, um, just because like the color gradation, the soundtrack to the film, um, it won like what four or five awards, the Oscars. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't really been talked about much since then. But I mean, you know, most car chase films do not win awards like i've i haven't seen anything that fast and furious has won but mad max fury <laughs> it's, very different. it's a different those are like very eh. different movies though are they though yeah because, eh. because <laughs> I mean, it's just you, a car chase I, uh no uh fast and furious is very uh they they're very self-aware mm. of what they're doing well, now I mean, yeah not back in right, Tokyo right, Drift. Right, yeah way back in the day they took it they took it somewhat more seriously i've only seen like maybe two of them anyway mm-hmm. um but i mean when you're watching trailers of dwayne the rock johnson like physically moving rockets with his hands it's just like all right yeah, well you understand yeah. now what this is uh mad max took itself very seriously mm-hmm. um and I don't like it that much. I know you don't, <laughs> but I like it a lot. I think Mad Max is a great fucking film. Yeah, uh, a lot of people do. I know I'm in the minority when with the, somebody who doesn't like it. Um, what would you consider that though? Would you consider that more of like just like a standard classic, or do you think that would be more of like a cult classic? I feel like it's got to be like more of a cult classic. You like, think so? Even, even though it's a higher budget, yeah, I feel like it fits the themes more of a cult classic. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, so we have finally coasted our way out of. 
classics. Mm-hmm. I had a really good time with this. Yeah, actually. this was a fun time. Um, I thought that our conversations were pretty good. I thought mm-hmm. that some of the, the topics that we covered were interesting. Um, and I'm glad that I saw some movies that I actually have never seen before mm-hmm. that were that are considered timeless classics. Um, so I'm glad that we did it. I don't know if you have anything that you want to add to that. No, it was just a really good time. Like, um, like you said, like it's it's always fun. Like when we do like theme stuff, because then like it kind of branches out more of what we can kind of talk about in terms of uh topics that actually make sense to it. Yeah. Um, so I have the honor of choosing our first non-classic film coming out mm-hmm. and God almighty, do I hope I don't fuck this up? I don't normally, I you're the you one who usually I know. fucks it I'm up. I'm the usually fuck up. <laughs> I want you to fuck up for once. Um, but I just recently, well, so first off I will say that what better way to, um, talk about or what better way to get out of classic month than with a horror film? Mm. Um, and a brand new horror film. Oh, are we doing I, X? No, oh. that I just no, because that requires you to go out to the theaters. I'm not going to put that on. You. <laughs> um, uh, a Hulu original oh. that just came out called uh-huh. Fresh. Okay. I will tell you nothing about it. All I will say is that I watched it and I was very, very pleasantly surprised. Hmm. Um, it's on Hulu, so if you have a Hulu account, um, you know it'll be free to you, I guess, uh, and you can check it out. If not, I'm sure there's some type of weird f- seven-day trial that you can get from Hulu or something. I have um, I have Hulu. If you are a horror fan and if you like horror, I do think that this movie is worth your time, and I think that you will like it. Um, it scratches all my itches. I like a lot of gore, mm. um, and it's got some it's got some themes that I think are worth talking about. Okay. So uh, we're gonna be doing fresh uh, next week, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us through Classics Weeks. Uh, And thanks again for supporting the Ukraine crisis, if you can and if you are willing. If not, again, um, just sharing the links that we are providing and at least just talking about it and just getting it out there that if you can um, help, then it would be really, really great if you do. Um, So that's it. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits.